1: Hello
2: and welcome, everyone, to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And for today's recording, I'm staying right here at home in Prague, Czech Republic. But I don't know where you are listening from. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to... All of you, wherever you're listening from. And welcome back to our returning listeners. If you are new, let me tell you about what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues, such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations, to leadership issues, such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download this series on iTunes or Google Play. In this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from that can motivate you and stimulate new ideas and possibly even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Tell me what you want to hear about. I would love to hear from you, so please send me a mail. But even if you do not want to be a guest on our show and you just want to listen to our show, you can tune in every week. And tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders on Tuesdays, 3 p.m. Pacific time, and get in touch with me. So, today, what are we gonna talk about today? Okay, now, I don't know about you guys, okay, listening today, but I can tell you when I was growing up, my mom was a stickler for specific rules of etiquette, such as always chew with your mouth closed, you don't speak when someone else is talking, and so on. Now, If you did like I did, gain from those rules and having those rules really embedded in me has really helped me in everyday life. But when I entered the workforce, additional rules applied when I was conducting business and I had to learn those on top of the rules my mother taught me. Then again, I went on my first international assignment and I also had to learn to adjust what I learned because certain things did not always apply or were different in different countries. And this was important. And why was this important? It was important because proper business etiquette is important. Essentially, business etiquette enables a company to function smoothly in its interactions with other businesses and its own employees and also with the general public. It is a set of rules by which we conduct business, essentially as a common language, a standard code of behavior, which when adopted becomes a standard practice in business, and it can lead to business growth. It also forms a basis for success, and our guest today will tell us about that. It helps... You court your customers and clients. It lies at the basis of what every successful person does, and that is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about why business etiquette is important, how it can help you court clients and customers, and what are the habits that successful people have. Our guest today is Anne-Marie Sabbath, and she is the founder and president of At Ease, Inc., a 31-year-old firm specializing in domestic and international business courtesy programs. She is also the author of several books, including Business Etiquette in Brief, Business Etiquette 101 Ways Conduct Business with Charm and Savvy, the International Business Etiquette series that has business etiquette tips on on different countries, countries from Asia, countries in Europe, and countries in Latin America, and her most recent book is What Self-Said Millionaires Do That Most People Don't, and this was released by Career Press in May 2018. Sabbath's Business Manners column was part of newspapers across the nation for more than two decades. Her books and training concepts have been featured on the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Time Magazine, and many other magazines and newspapers. Since 1987, Sabbath and her staff have trained more than 200,000 individuals representing the business, industry, and government sectors on how to gain a competitive edge. And, Mayor, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Kimberly, I'm flattered to be be here. here. Okay, so um, let's let's just kind of start out uh, with how did you? I mean, was your mother a stickler for etiquette like mine? How did you get into
3: this? Well, actually, we're pretty red blooded. I must tell you, we did not do. We certainly were polite to each other. Uh, we put others. We put our others before us. However, no, we're very red blooded. We're the McManus generation. <laughs> the reason this started is um. I didn't score high enough on the law school exam because I don't do windows or standardized tests very well. And so I took a job for nine months, which lasted for six years. And along the way, ended up co-creating a board game called Mind Your Manners. And I Mm -hmm. thought it was kind of a joke thinking that most people would know this. Well, I didn't realize that I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So after co-creating this board game, I said, my goodness, there's a business for this. And that three decades and a lot of oil of a lay ago, I started stamping out rudeness by teaching business courtesy around the globe. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a really interesting (laughs) beginning.
2: And um, so you've been doing this for three decades now. And let, let me ask you, do you think business
3: people today consciously think about business etiquette? Well, the key is it's all based on the expectation. It's based on they may hear things from their mothers, get your elbows off the table, stand up straight. However, it means nothing until they enter corporate America and their managers happen to schedule a program about the different ways to outclass their competition by focusing on a client rather than themselves, Mm -hmm. by always being early rather than being on time or late, mm-hmm. by dressing for the position you want rather than the one you have. So there is a whole new set of rules, and yet it's all about being courteous. Mm-hmm. So, so we get some of this
2: basic training at home, and maybe we don't, okay? You know, there are people who get it, people who don't. Then they come into the business environment. And you basically, do you have to wake people up
3: and remind them of these things? Well, what happens is people walk into our training uh, when a company hires me, as a re- they think that this is as a result of the sense of reprimand, that they've done something wrong, mm-hmm. and they leave mesmerized, not because they're mesmerized with me, however, they did not recognize what they didn't know. For instance, how do you introduce two people whose names you've forgotten? Mm-hmm. What, when you enter a room full of strangers, how do you know who to approach? And, of course, it's the one approach, one person or three people, never two unless they're standing in a V and further than two arm's lengths from each other. So when we give them this set of rules that they have never thought about, they recognize that there are ways to be successful and to be smart rather than working hard.
0: Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. And um, when you do this, is there
2: anything that you see um, in, you? I mean, you've done so many years of training. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you see that that's one of the biggest mistakes that you've seen kind of over and over that maybe business
3: people struggle with? Very much. Number one, most people put the golden rule into practice. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. And that is very outdated 20th century. Mm-hmm. The key to being successful is putting the platinum rule into fa- into practice. Do unto others as they would want you to do unto them. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is, focus on others. It's not about you.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. And so those
2: are the rules, and those are the rules today. And I, I and I like when you said outdated. So I mean, you wrote your first book in in the late eighties, and how have things changed now
3: today, um, in this business etiquette? This is what's so amazing, Kimberly. What you will see in my first book that did come out, uh, the business was started in 1987, and my first book did come out in 92, called Business Mm -hmm. Etiquette and Brief. I can guarantee you not one thing has been outdated. For instance, is it outdated that you put your napkin on your lap when everyone at the table, if everyone at the table has been seated? Is it outdated to introduce two people whose names you've forgotten by asking, have the two of you met? These are such basic things. Is that outdated to, to say something that you heard about the other person before disengaging from them? Mm-hmm. So the point is these are timeless things. And the thing is is they've only become more popular because, not because I wrote them by any means, because we live in a global society. And the courtesies that we need to know have definitely multiplied based on the international nuances, as you know very well. Mm-hmm. And and these timeless,
2: um, I would say basic politeness and courtesy things, um, are you seeing, because today we're, we're with four generations work in the workforce today, so are you seeing that the different generations... Have different approaches to these at all, or, or they absorb them, or they have different emphasis
3: on that, on one or the other? The different generations, I will tell you, I absolutely am in love with millennials. Millennials mm-hmm. love this information, and it may be because they have been raised in such a high-tech society that the high touch or personalization has become a new language for them. hmm Okay. So, and do you see any differences though? I mean,
2: if, if, if I'm in the training class and, and millennials in the training class, and maybe a generation Z is in the training class. Okay. uh, Is there
3: a different approach or or did they absorb things differently? The only thing that I see is millennials are very direct. They want to be involved. They -hmm. want to ask why they don't have filters. And that is why they're one of my favorites.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. And what about dress? Because I know you had also done a book on dress. And um, I mean, when I first got out of university and went to my first job, you know, I had to go buy my suit and my high heels and everything. And everything's, you know, so much more casual today. How
3: do you approach that? Well, what happens is they really don't know. This is the funny thing. However, meaning it depends where you are across the globe. Everyone owns a suit. It may not be five suits. However, they know that it's a matter of dressing like they mean business. That's the most important thing. Believe it or not, it's surprising because so many men who may not, young men who may not have been in a business situation may not realize that you button your top button when you're wearing a jacket. The thing is, is they wear a jacket. However, it may be once a month rather than daily.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and and, do you see when you're working in these comp working in companies, do you see different? I would say, I don't want to say levels. I'm just trying to, to figure out how to ask this question. Different um, approaches to things, such as dressing like you're meaning business, or um, approaches to different etiquette. Are you seeing differences?
3: It's yes, I do. It's all based on the top people. So I'll give you a quick example. Mm. I remember working with a a PR firm in New York, and the team who was part of this organization dressed like they were working with a PR firm. However, the president was very straight-laced, and he wore a sport coat and khakis or chinos to work every day. Well, what does that tell you? That tells you that organizations that are creative may be dressing casually. However, they may be dressing in a very professional way. It all is based on the top person, based on dress, based on anything else, any action.
2: Yeah I mean we see that a lot and of course in management and and the old you know the old saying the fish thinks from the head or the fish is good from the head you know I mean Exactly so, <laughs> exactly but I, this is really interesting because also um, etiquette and dress and and how you're doing business also falls into this category and I think sometimes we forget this so if the head person is quite polite and and, and has a very good etiquette, then it kind of triples down, doesn't it?
3: Definitely, it's the same thing. Whether you're, in, it's in your personal life or business life. Employees learn much more from what they see than what they hear. Mm-hmm. And once again, it's the expectation, and not only the expectation. It what it is what is well, it's strictly what is expected of you. Mm-hmm. So. The key is not much has changed. There's been more leniency. However, organizations still like to make profit. And Mm -hmm. you and I know polish, uh, good manners means good business. And good business means a good bottom line. Exactly, yes.
2: So that's a super, super... Um, saying to take a quick break with. Uh, So our listeners, we're talking with Anne-Marie Sabbath. She's the author and founder and president of At Ease, Inc. She's also the author of eight books on domestic and international etiquette, including Business Etiquette, 101 Ways to Conduct Business with Charm and Savvy, and One Minute Manners, Quick Solutions to the Most Awkward Situations You'll Ever Face at Work. And her ninth book, which just came out in May, is what self-made millionaires do that most people don't, and it's on based on interviews with thirty U.S. self-made millionaires. You can reach Anne Marie on her website at annemarie.sabbath.com. She's on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Anne Marie Sabbath. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, CEO and leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders or my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. And when we come back, Anne-Marie, I'd like to talk a little bit about technology and the global environment um, and courting business, which was one of your books. So for now, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back.
1: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. The robots are coming. The robots are coming. Actually, they're already here. Digital technology just keeps on moving forward at a faster pace. And as human beings, we need to know what's next. Join host Dave Gerber for Preparing for Robots. We take an inside look at AI, robots, and new technology to better prepare you for the future. If you're concerned about your future value and the impact of all things digital on business, You need to listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. And today we're talking with Anne-Marie Sabbath, author and founder and president of At Ease Inc. She's also the author of eight books on domestic and international etiquette. And her newest book is called What Self-Made Millionaires Do That Most People Don't. And it's based on interviews with 30 U.S. self-made millionaires, as well as her own expertise. Now, before before the break, we're talking, Anne-Marie, about etiquette and and we're talking about how it really, you know, the basics have not changed, okay? And and even the millennials and Generation Z are um, really, they're sponges for this kind of information. But let me ask you this question. So what, what has technology done to us in the etiquette? I mean, has it made us less polite? Has it made us more
3: polite? How is it affecting this? Technology has... Um assisted people, or let me say this, technology has kept people from enhancing their communication skills. Mm -hmm. And thank goodness for email that we can communicate, at least in writing, because one of the most common fears of people is interacting on a face-to-face basis.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And that's what this is, what this technology has done to us. So how, I mean, how do you deal with that in your training And, and, and how do you help people get over that?
3: I tell them to be themselves, to be able to focus on others. It's not about them. If they're intimidated when they walk into a room, get over it. And what I tell them is even the most outgoing people have butterflies out of formation. And what outgoing people do when they're intimidated is they focus on other people. And so the secret is to be able to recognize that it's not about technology. In fact, let me give you a quick scenario. We live in a 50-story building in New York. And I got on the elevator, we're on the 42nd floor, and I was alone. And I saw this person get in the elevator, so only the two of us, and I created an excuse to talk. I said to him, oh, my goodness, you're so different than anybody else I've seen in an elevator. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, you're not looking at your phone. You're not communicating. And he said to me, well, do you want to know why? And I said, why? Now we're on the 30th floor. Nobody's gotten in, thank goodness. He said, I made a New Year's resolution three years ago that I would not use my phone even to text when I'm in an elevator. I said, have you kept it? it?" He said, I sure have. Now look at what I learned from him. And we were able to talk. He looked so different no well, that that's a
2: great story and it and it brings me actually it kind of leads into the next question I wanted to ask you because because um, this whole thing of looking at the phone instead of talking to people and I've been in business meetings where everybody is sitting in the boardroom and one person is talking and everybody's talking looking at their either their laptops or you know their iPads or their phones or something I mean when you're teaching etiquette do you deal with these issues also
3: well, what I do is often people won't do it because it's etiquette and they know they're going to be called on the carpet. No. However, what I will do is if somebody is on the phone, I'll say, you know, it sounds like there's something much more important that's coming through email, so I'm happy to wait.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they get
3: the hint. Or if two people are talking, I'll say, I'm happy to stop the presentation until the two of you take care of what you need to discuss. Mm-hmm. And that cures them. A little fear of God works every time,
2: <laughs> but you know it's funny. It's not just in boardrooms. I mean, I go to a lot of conferences, and you're thinking, well, people pay you know a thousand euros or two thousand euros for these conferences, and they sit at the conference with their laptops open, and not listening. And sometimes, I mean, for the speaker on stage, it just makes me crazy. I just think it's so impolite. I and. Mean, do you do you uh, address these issues at all? With well, other? here's
3: the case. Sometimes, in defense of people using their technology, sometimes they're actually taking notes. Yes, yes, that's true. So, yes. Yeah, so the key is their body language should tell us that they're taking notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the key is you set the tone. The tone is set based on the highest level person. So, if I were taking notes when you were speaking, first of all, I would ask you beforehand. If mm-hmm. I saw I was the only one. I would definitely not do it because you don't want to stand out like a sore thumb mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. and people need too much. They need attention when they're doing that. It's really an attention deficit.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So let's move on a little bit because um, we were talking a little bit earlier. We just touched on the the subject of the global economy. And you've written several books on etiquette and about um, etiquette in different countries. And do you have any, like, just general words of advice for our listeners who may be starting to work internationally, having international customers? What would be your advice there?
3: Well, the greatest advice would be make a point of meeting the five senses of anyone with whom you're interacting. So that means hearing, listen, learn at least five words in a language, whether it's good morning, good afternoon, good evening, please, thank you. Seeing, know when to make eye contact and know when to break it. Tasting, Always offer a beverage and ask three times. The first time, many cultures, the high contact cultures, and you know, Eastern mm-hmm. European cultures, Middle Eastern cultures, Latin American cultures, need individuals need to be asked three times before agreeing to have it because the first time is considered very rude to accept. Mm-hmm. So seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling it's up to you, a little dabble, do you? And mm-hmm. feeling know how to greet and meet whether it is a bow, whether it is a Y, W-A-I, which people who are in more of a servant level will do in the Thai, whether it's putting your right hand over your heart when you're interacting with individuals of the opposite gender in a Middle Eastern culture uh, when individuals are observant Muslims. So that's the key. Meet those five senses. Be aware of the five senses in any culture that you may not know that may not be yours. Mm-hmm. And and that's really good advice. I, I can
2: um, agree with that 100%. I've worked in and lived in 18 countries and um, very, very good advice for our listeners. And, Thank you. Uh, Emory, as we go, that advice also kind of leads into... Um, the book that you wrote on courting business, okay? And when I think of this advice on etiquette and everything, it's all on paying attention to somebody, being courteous. And you wrote a book called Courting Business. Can you tell
3: us a little bit about that? Well, I'm going to tell you about that. In fact, the question is, how can somebody who's done etiquette do a book on courting business? I'll tell you quickly (laughs) how it happened. My banker called me one day and he said, I need to talk with you. Well, we had a line of credit, and I didn't even know that I could use it. This is how naive I was 20 years ago. And so I said, sure, do you want me to come in? And he said, yes, come in tomorrow. I went in, was uh, probably a little, I was sweating bullets, and I said, what's wrong? He said, Anne-Marie. He said, I see that you or your assistant are always bringing money in the bank. He said, I want you to do a workshop to teach people how to to teach our bankers meaning the private bankers, the wealth managers, how to be able to generate business. I said, I don't know that. He said, well, where are you getting this money? I said, well, we've been attracting clients for the last 15 years. He said, how do you do it? I said, I have no idea. I said, let me think about it for a weekend. So I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, now I know. You're politely relentless. You have to make sure you are in front of people eight to 12 times. You send a thank you anytime it takes more than 15 minutes to do something for you. You make sure you work more on business during the day than in business. You make sure you score for every day as Jeffrey Fox, uh, how to become a rainmaker says on and on and on. So I went back to him and I said, I could do a workshop. Well, the workshop a year later turned into a book. That's what it was about. <laughs> oh, well, I read the book,
2: and for our listeners, it's a great book. And in the book, you, uh, you, that's a great story and how it came about. Okay, a really great story. And Thank in, the you. Book, in the book, um, you talk about developing a courtship plan. What does that mean?
3: Developing a courtship plan means you should not waste your breath emailing or your fingers, tips, emailing somebody or waste your breath talking with someone if you're not interested in forming a relationship. And once again, it's not what they can do for you. It's what you could do for them. That is a relationship. Mm -hmm. And the key, as I said before, anytime it takes more than 15 minutes for someone to take time to visit with you, to do something for you, you should definitely send them a follow-up email. It's essential. Somebody invites you to dinner, Send them a handwritten thank you. Blue ink because red ink is considered a kiss of death in the Asian culture. So courting business means it's the same thing as when your husband spotted you for the first time. What did he do to entice you into his life, Kimberly? Kimberly? I don't remember. <laughs> no, I, I, no, actually, actually, it's a funny
2: story because he he he's he's German. He speaks fluent Spanish, and and I was so happy to have somebody
3: speaking Spanish <laughs> that it enticed me right into right into his jeep. Okay, so. <laughs> there you go, and you are now fluent, married, and fluent. Yes, and so that's there was something about that that was very. Attractive, and so see, this is what it's about, and what it is. I'll give you a quick example. When my husband, I met my husband, and I met him on eHarmony after our partners both passed away. I said, He said, May I call you? Because the key secret to success in courting business is always getting someone to say yes. So when he emailed me, he said, May I call you? Well, there we go. I said, He was courting, yes. So we talked, and he said, would you like to go out, you know, after a while, would you like to go out this weekend? And I said, well, thank you. However, I already have plans. I have out of town guests. He said, why wait until the weekend? How about Wednesday? He created opportunities, created Mm -hmm. solutions. My point is, this is what courting business is. And the secret is, people should never sell. I've never sold a thing in my life. You get people to buy through the art of the relationship uh uh-huh, yeah. And w- in your book, that
2: that's really good. And that's a fun, th- these are funny stories. I never thought about that and related this to this whole, you know, you know, to courting business. But you also, you talk about, and you talked about creating opportunities. And, and you also about, talked about um, respectful, being respectful of others' time and um, as part of creating that relationship. And you gave a little bit tip on, you know, when you're developing your plan to to ask for a particular amount of time or a particular date
3: as your husband did? Why is, why is that important? Well, first of all, because you look like a priority for them, number one. Number two, it demonstrates that you respect them. And people want to be with people who respect themselves enough to respect others. That's where it starts. So I'll give you a quick example. To court business, when you schedule time to visit with someone on the phone – on via email, meaning you schedule a meeting, and now you're on the phone. The first question you should do to court business, whether you have existing or potential business, is, "Kimberly, thank you for taking time to meet with me. Is this or to visit with me by phone? Is this still a good time to talk?" Mm-hmm. That is courting business mm-hmm. because what you're doing is you're being respectful. Did something come up, etc. And always making sure, is there anything I need to ask? Shall I have asked anything before the fact? There's nothing worse than somebody overextending his or her stay. There's nothing worse than a client or potential client waiting. I will tell you, I dismiss people from my life if they are late more than three times.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, that that's very,
2: very true, because it's very disrespectful of your time. Um, I've had that same situation. I think many of our listeners can relate to that quite a bit. And um, le- let me just, on that, we're talking about courting. And I'd l- I love to come back to my technology questions, okay? You know, we live in the virtual world, and meetings are on Skype, they go to meeting on the various platforms. Um, is there any particular better way to court via this virtual world? Is there
3: some tips that you can give on courting virtually? It's very easy. Once again, going back to the five senses. Mm -hmm. So courting virtually. First of all, when you court someone, it's good to see the way that they would like to be courted. If they email you, you email them back. If they say, if you would prefer to visit by phone, I'm in the office on Tuesday at 11. 11. Central Standard Time or whatever time, then you schedule time to call them. This is based on their neuro-linguistic wavelength. It's important to get something in their hands, whether it's a box of Godiva chocolates, unless they're diabetic, a bottle of wine, unless they're recovering AA. You do something to be able to have them taste, whatever the case, have them make a point of breaking bread with them. So meet those five senses. mm mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Well, we're going to, to me, this makes complete sense, okay, that it goes from the etiquette to courting business because it's all about relationships and courtesy and getting to know people so the the flow that you went from one to the other makes absolutely perfect sense to me and when we get back we're going to take a short break I'd really like to start to talk about your newest book um, because this makes sense to me also and your newest book uh, is what made what self-made millionaires do that people don't and for our, our listeners we are talking with Anne-Marie Sabbath, author and founder and president of At Ease, Inc. She's also the author of eight books on domestic and international etiquette, including Business Etiquette 101, 101 Ways to Conduct Business with Charm and Savvy, and One-Minute Manners, Quick Solutions to the Most Awkward Situations You'll Ever Face. And when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about her newest book, What Self-Made Millionaires Do That Most People Don't, and is based on interviews with 30 U.S self-made millionaires as well as her own experience. Anne-Marie can be reached at Anne-Marie Sabbath, and that's S-A-B-A-T-H. That's one B. Um, she's uh, Her website is AnneMarieSabbath.com. She's on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook under Anne-Marie Sabbath. And I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, CEO, leadership and business expert. You can contact me with questions and comments at LeadershipBeyondBorders at gmail.com, or join our LinkedIn group at Leadership Beyond Borders, or go to my website, LeadershipBeyondBorders.net. And with that, we'll be right back.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA PressPass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Anne-Marie Sabbath. Author, founder, and president of At Ease Inc. She is the author of eight books, and her latest book is What Self-Made Millionaires Do That People Don't. And it's based on interviews with 30 U.S. Self-Made Millionaires as well as her own experience. Now we've talked a lot, Anne-Marie, about etiquette and then courting business, and that all fits together. And I have to believe that, I have to believe that self-made millionaires
3: do all this, but I want to just ask you first, what made you write this book? Well, it is funny how one thing leads to another, Kimberly. What happened is approximately three years ago, I was working with about 50 individuals in their late 20s in Washington, D.C., and during the afternoon session, I was a little bored, and so I began the program asking, how many have goals? And so some people said they had goals. I didn't ask them what they were because that's personal to me, uh, in my opinion. And so I asked how many have accomplished their goals. One young lady raised her hand and said, I now live in the city where I've always wanted. I said, terrific. Another young man said, I now am driving the car that I've always wanted. I said, terrific. Well, the nerdiest young man raised his his hand, who had not talked with other people. He was really a one just by himself person. I was shocked to even raise his hand and he said, I save a thousand dollars a month. We all looked at him and he became the shining star. And I said, How do you do that? He said, Well, I want to be a millionaire. He said, And I realized that I need to delay my short term gratification. And so I live with four other guys. I pack my lunch, I volunteer for socialization, I ask for what I want for birthdays and holidays rather than going out and buying things. He said, and this is how I have saved $1,000 a month. He was became the most popular participant. And wow. so I realized this. I realized that I have helped more than 200,000 individuals in assisting their companies in increasing their bottom lines, however. Most of these people are spending their six-figure incomes and they don't know how to create their own personal success. So I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I thought about it for two years. How am I going to get this information out? And you know, when you don't know something, it's the, it's not the answer. It's the question, how am I going to do this? And so on August 2017, I said I figured it out, and that's how what self-made millionaires that most people don't came about. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow, that's a that's a great story. And um, and how how long ago you said that was 2017? So August it, 2017. Yeah. So he's two years more <laughs> into towards his goal. Then now, that's yes. great. <laughs> so um, I, I read the book. It's great. And thank you. Um, in the book, you talked uh, about creating a million. Near mindset. And you said there are three things that you need to do to create one. Can you share that with our listeners?
3: Yes. First of all, in order to create a millionaire, self made millionaire mindset, conceive. What is it that you want? And once again, I said it already it's not the answer, it's the question. Sometimes it comes to you in six months, sometimes in a month, maybe in a year. Conceive and then believe. Because what the mind conceives and you believe you will achieve. Direct quote from Will Rogers. The last thing is you achieve it when you have when you know where you're going and when you believe it enough to document it. When you document it, it becomes a reality. It's a tangible. And and what do you mean by document it? Well, here you go. You always write down what you want. Most people keep things in their minds. However, those are the people who are less likely to achieve self-made millionaire status, who are less likely to achieve their goals. Studies have shown that only 3% of people actually document what they want in life. I guarantee you, I jot my goals down once a year, December 31st or January 1st. And let me tell you loud and clear, they become part of you. You put those goals under your mattress, in your wallet, if you have a car, in the glove compartment, and you tell no one except someone who is your brain trust advisor or your role model. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's really good. <laughs> I don't do it. I have to say,
2: and now you've got me starting to do it. I'm going to do ahead. that when I hang up. So just on this conceiving part. Okay. Many of us um, have a passion and, and, and some of us don't have a passion or don't know what our passion is. Um, do you, do you, do you need to have a passion to, to, de- to conceive or to
3: define se- success? Exactly. How many people go to work every day and all they do is complain? Well, guess what? They need a life. They need a passion. Everybody has a passion. So the question is, what you have a passion doing this show. You can Mm -hmm. tell. You sparkle. Mm -hmm. And so the key is find what you love. Do what you love and love what you do. And it becomes a process. Sometimes you need to do your passion as an avocation as you are working a job. Until you can get to the point of spending more time on your avocation, which eventually may become a vocation. Your job Mm -hmm. will then become much more pleasant because you know why you are generating that money for food, shelter, clothing, and to support your avocation. No. And I think that is a great point
2: because I don't think a lot of people realize that. I mean, people say, well, I, I want to be a writer. I want to do this. But then they don't put the time into it. And, um, you know, you can turn an advocation into a vocation when you're committed enough. Okay, right? And um, I think I've seen a lot of people do that. And, and Anne-Marie, uh, uh, on this road from conceive to believe and, and know where you're going, you talk about goals in your book. Now, should you be short, setting short-term goals or just, you know, one big end goal, or, or
3: how's the best way to approach that? Well, that's a great question. Always begin with the end in mind. For mm-hmm. instance, if you know that you want to go to L.A., Los Angeles, you decide my goal is to get to Los Angeles, and then you back into it. When shall I go? <clears throat> How shall I go? What shall I take? So it's the same thing with the goal. One goal and then you back into it. Always remember, keep your eye on the target. Never deviate. And always stay motivated, first of all, by surrounding yourself with people you want to be like. If you do not know those people, invest. Don't ever buy. I buy nothing. I only invest. Mm-hmm. Invest in a book by an author who energizes you, invest in an audiobook. invest in scheduling time with yourself. This is how you do it. So you always look at the big picture first with that end in mind and then back into it as though your life depends on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And when you say as your
2: life depends on that, that sounds like to me commitment, and and when when you were interviewing these millionaires and these people and from your own experience i'm sure they have certain habits that make them succeed and commitment is probably one of them and what are some of the other habits you've seen
3: well i'm going to give you some habits that most of your listeners may be shocked at mm-hmm. number 1 a habit is that of self-made millionaires is they are minimalists they keep very little in the, around them They have few clothes. And when I say few, they may have uh, maybe 20 things that they wear all the time and then they mix and match. Mm -hmm. That's number one. They try keeping 100 things in your life completely, whether it's a place setting, whether it's toiletries, whether it's clothes, shoes, boots. This is an essential quality of self-made millionaires because... They can keep their minds clear. They have fewer distractions. Mm -hmm. Self-made milk. Yes. Yeah. No. That's a really good tip because uh, just
2: thinking about that, it's not about the uh, with this clothes example. It's it's about distractions. Okay. The more stuff you have, the more you're distracted.
3: Exactly. Exactly. I'll give you another one, which shocked me. You exercise at least five days a week. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, I swim now five days a week. I didn't even own tennis shoes until I was 50. Now I swim five days a week. And the reason is because not only for the health of it, you swim because it re-energizes you. It clears your mind. Mm -hmm. It gives you that quiet think time. That is an essential, one of the 52 secrets for creating your own success. Wow. That's that's really good. I
2: do have to say I do that one. I do exercise 5 times a week and listen to my audiobooks at the same
3: time. So, uh, and there you go and that's what you're doing. You're multitasking. Yeah, yeah. Another one is being a time master. Use your time and use your energy with the same respect that you treat currency. That mm-hmm. is a definite quality of self-made millionaires. Great tip
2: there, great tip. So um, this is really interesting. I have to one more time say to the listeners that you get this book, please do. It's really worth reading. Um, I learned a lot from it, but we're getting towards the end of the show, Anne-Marie. So I'd like to, you know, we've talked about everything from etiquette to courting business to now all the tips on, on, you know, how to get yourself to a self-made millionaire. If you had three
3: Anne-Marie tips for our listeners what would they be three tips number 1 you can do it you just have to want it that's a very very important tip another tip is delete toxic people from your life i would rather you spend time alone than deal with anyone negative in your life and the third is always Pay it forward. The more you owe me's that are in the universe, the more times you can ask others for assistance when you need it. Really great tips. And I want to thank
2: you so much. And um, just really, it was a great show. I wish we had another half hour. <laughs> we could keep going um, because the book just has so much great information in it. So thank you for taking the time to be with us today. And for our listeners, we've been talking with Anne-Marie Sabbath, author, founder, and president of At Ease, Inc., a 31-year-old New York-based training firm. She's the author of eight books on domestic and international etiquette, including Business Etiquette, 101 Ways to Conduct Business with Charm and Savvy, and One-Minute Manners, Quick Solutions to the Most Awkward Situations You'll Ever Face. Her new book, which we've just talked about now, What Self-Made Millionaires Do That Most People Don't, is based on the interviews with 30 U.S. self-made millionaires, as well as her own experience. And you just heard some great tips and great information from that book. Now, Anne-Marie can be reached at her website, Anne-Marie Sabbath, and that is Sabbath with S-A-B-A-T-H dot com, on Twitter, with Anne, on LinkedIn and Facebook. Under Anne Marie Sabbath. So, Anne Marie, once again, thank you for being with us today. My pleasure, Kimberly. It was my honor. And you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and we're on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020 in Europe. It's also sponsored by Ponytail Talk, Executive Coaching for Women. We provide leadership training, systemic team coaching certification, motivational speaking, and much more. If you'd like to contact me, your host, Kimberly Lewis, please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders at Gmail or visit my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. Please also like us on Facebook and under Leadership Beyond Borders, also under Kimberly J. Lewis on Facebook and on Twitter. Please reach out to me. Send me a mail. Listen each week, Tuesdays, 3 p.m., specific time. And until then... You've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy, SRO, and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020, and also by Ponytail Talk, executive coaching for women. We provide leadership training, systemic team coaching certification, motivational speaking, and much more. If you'd like to contact me, your house, Kimberly Lewis, please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.com beyondborders.net like us on facebook under leadership beyond borders ponytail talk or like me on facebook under kimberly j lewis and on twitter under kimberly jane lewis tune in to us each week tuesdays at 3 p.m. specific time or download us on itunes google play and until next week thank you so much for listening and tune in next week